This is Front Page. We here at Front Page, we do our best to dig out the truth and bring it to you. Hello, all you freedom-loving people. Welcome to Front Page Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Cameron Goulet. The situation in the Gaza Strip is changing rapidly. Hamas has begun to show signs of softening its stance in the face of Israel's fierce counterattacks, but Hamas has not yet fully succumbed. The White House has made clear its support for Israel's elimination of Hamas. Domestically, the Republicans scored a major victory as they took back the Louisiana governorship for the first time in eight years. The Republican House of Representatives also chose hardline Representative Jim Jordan as its candidate for speaker. Although he lost the primary to Republican No. 2 Steve Scalise last week, Jordan seems to be the one who can unify the House Republicans. Okay, let's get into it. It's been more than a week since Hamas launched its surprise attack on Israel last Saturday. During this week, the rate of updates on various news items has been measured in minutes. It's therefore difficult to get a clear picture of the real current progress of the conflict. We'll now go through the progress and results of the series of retaliatory acts that were carried out by Israel. At the outset of the reprisal operation, Israel issued a warning to the population in Gaza to make every effort to leave in order to avoid innocent casualties. Those who were unable to leave Gaza for the time being are to move as far south of the area as possible. The Israeli forces designated two corridors approximately 30 kilometers from Gaza City to Khan Yunis in the south. Israel notified Gaza residents for three consecutive days. A six-hour security window was left on Saturday. And on Sunday, there was only a three-hour security window. During the time of the security window, Israel would not attack while people were withdrawing from the designated routes. In order to encourage the people in Gaza to withdraw south, Israel on Sunday restored water supply to southern Gaza. Israel is insisting on the evacuation of Gaza City, mainly because northern Gaza is a lair that Hamas has operated for many years. Many of their leaders have their homes there, and they have built very sophisticated underground fortifications. Hostages were taken by Hamas, and they may be in those underground lairs. Israel's immediate combat objective now is the complete destruction of Hamas positions in Gaza City and the elimination of all terrorists and the rescue of the hostages. Hamas also knows that these civilians are their protection and Hamas is doing everything they can to prevent the evacuation of the civilian population. At first, Hamas was asking the people not to go. It didn't work, so they started getting into heavy vehicles to block the roads. Now, it has gone even further. One Gaza resident told IDF intelligence officials that on the way south, Hamas would not let them leave. Hamas not only asked for his identity papers, but they also took away his car keys. U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said on Sunday that he knows of no U.S. citizens who have been able to leave the area. So far, we have not been able to get American citizens through the border crossing, and I'm not aware of anyone else being able to get out at this time, uh, though I cannot fully confirm that because it's a dynamic situation. Uh, like I said, uh, we're trying to create the circumstances where American citizens who are in Gaza and are looking to leave to get into Egypt. Sullivan also said that the U.S. has asked the Egyptian president to open the border for U.S. citizens. 
But the situation at the Rafah crossing, the only passage between Egypt and Gaza, is complicated. Sullivan accused Hamas of preventing American citizens in the region from fleeing to Egypt. The U.S. Embassy in Israel announced on Sunday that it plans to evacuate Americans in Israel by sea starting this morning. But Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis decided not to wait. DeSantis chartered flights to evacuate Americans. The first chartered flights that he organized arrived in Florida from Israel on Sunday night. The flights carried about 300 Americans who were stranded in Israel. DeSantis and Florida First Lady Casey DeSantis greeted passengers at the Tampa International Airport. We're here at Tampa Airport. We are having our first flight of people being rescued from Israel. It has landed. Over 260 people that wanted to get back to the United States and couldn't do it. Uh, there was a devoid of leadership, so we stepped up and led. Uh, we're happy to be able to deliver this, so we're getting ready to welcome them back to the United States of America. This was a flight arranged by the Florida authorities in cooperation with the nonprofit organization Project Dynamo. The statement that was issued by the governor's office said that the passengers were not charged for the flight. Although the general Israeli offensive has not yet begun, the Israeli army has eliminated several key Hamas leadership figures in the last week of military operations. The first Hamas leaders to be killed by Israel were Jawad Abu Samara, the head of Hamas's economic department, and Zachariah Abu Mamar, who was a senior member of Hamas's political bureau. In a special forces raid, Israel captured Hamas's deputy naval commander alive. In the basement of his residence, there was a large number of watercraft that were used by Hamas to attack Israel. In the ensuing airstrike, Israeli forces killed Murad Abu Murad, who was the head of Hamas's air force. He was the one who organized the paragliding of Hamas members into Israel on the day of the Hamas raid. On Friday, Israeli warplanes killed Ali Qadi, who was the leader of the Hamas-affiliated military organization called the Nahaba Forces. Ali Qadi was the main commander of the Hamas raid on Israel last Saturday. He was previously arrested in 2005 for kidnapping and murdering Israelis. He was later repatriated as part of a prisoner of war exchange for an Israeli soldier. Israel was killed Sami al-Hassani, the commander of the Al-Aqsa Martyrs Brigade, which is another Hamas military organization. These two were killed by drill bombs that were fired by the Israeli army while the two were hiding in the basement of their homes. Abu Obaida, who was the press spokesperson for the Qassam Brigades, which is another Hamas military organization, was also killed by Israeli forces. This is the man who claimed that he would execute a hostage an hour if Israel did not withdraw, although he had appeared on television wrapped up tightly with only his eyes showing he was found and killed by the Israelis. As can be expected, most of the main commanders who were involved in the October 7th raid on Israel have been eliminated by Israel already. The Israeli forces also destroyed Hamas training bases in the Gaza Strip, the residences of the leaders of the command centers, and the Islamic Bank of Gaza, which openly provided financial services to Hamas. The bank was also destroyed by the Israeli forces on the very first day of the air raid. In response to the actions of the Israeli army, Hamas is clearly panicking. Last Friday, Hamas leaders 
at their mansion in Qatar made a televised speech calling on Muslims around the world to donate money to them. At the same time, they called on Arab leaders to put political pressure on the parties concerned in order to stop Israel from entering Gaza. They also called on Muslims around the world to begin the Al-Aqsa flood campaign in order to put pressure on the United States and Israel. In the past few days, Muslims around the world have taken to the streets to demonstrate their support for Palestine. In addition to a number of Muslim countries in the Middle East, large-scale Muslim pro-Palestinian protest marches against Israel have erupted in a number of cities in South America, the United States, Canada, and Europe. But this time, several European countries took a tougher line on the protests. The French government announced a ban on pro-Palestinian demonstrations. Those who violate the ban will be arrested. Foreign nationals who support Palestine will be deported. A similar decision was taken in Germany, where a rally in solidarity with Palestine that was scheduled to take place in the German capital Berlin was not authorized by the authorities. On Monday morning, in a matter of hours, the Israeli Defense Forces stormed dozens of targets, including the headquarters of Hamas. The IDF said that it also attacked the command center of Hamas and the commanding officer Ali Qadi. The Israeli Defense Forces also released footage of several night raids in the Gaza corridor. The Hamas leaders are obviously scared. They have asked Iran to soften the deal. Speaking at a press conference in Tehran on Monday, Iranian Foreign Ministry spokesperson Nasser Kanaani said that Hamas was prepared to release the nearly 200 hostages that they are holding if Israel stops its airstrikes in the Gaza corridor. Kanaani relayed the words of Hamas officials. He said that Hamas was prepared to take the necessary steps to release the detained civilians, but they needed to prepare for the release, which was considered impossible under Israeli bombardment. While the attitude of Hamas has softened a lot from its past brutal statement of publicly executing hostages if Israel continues to bomb Gaza, they still want the same unequal exchange that they wanted in the past. They want to give a handful of hostages for the thousands of armed Palestinians that Israel is holding. It is expected that Israel will find it difficult to agree to this request. In a 60-minute interview on Sunday, Joe Biden compared the Hamas attack to the Holocaust. When asked if it was time for a ceasefire, Biden said that he supported further action against Hamas. He said that the Hamas militant organization must be eliminated. He also said that it would be a mistake for Israel to reoccupy Gaza. The U.S. Department of Defense has sent two aircraft carriers to the eastern Mediterranean as a deterrent. But Biden argued that because Israel has the best fighting forces, there is no need for U.S. troops to be stationed there. Israeli officials have made it clear that it will not be an easy or quick ground operation. Hamas has built hundreds of kilometers of maze-like underground tunnels in the Gaza Strip, which are thought to pose serious challenges to the Israeli army's ground offense. The Israeli Defense Forces, the IDF, describes on its official website that Hamas's network of tunnels is in effect a vast underground city with dozens of access points throughout Gaza. 
The tunnels are used by Hamas as weapons caches, bunkers, command centers, and hidden transportation routes for terrorists and weapons, including rocket launchers. Every month, Israel sends construction materials to Gaza for civilian projects, but these materials are used by Hamas for tunnel construction. After the 2021 Israel-Palestinian conflict, the IDF said that it had destroyed more than 100 kilometers of tunnels through airstrikes. Hamas claims, however, to have 500 kilometers of tunnels, so only about 20% of the tunnels have been hit so far. However, some military experts believe that Israel's military forces have an absolute advantage over the Hamas regime in cracking Hamas's underground fortification. However, Israel also faces enemies in the north. Violence on the northern border has escalated. On Sunday, Iranian-backed Lebanese Hezbollah militants launched attacks on Israeli military posts and villages along the northern border. So Israel has retaliated to these Lebanese attacks. Louisiana Republican Attorney General Jeff Landry won Saturday's gubernatorial race. For the first time in eight years, the state's governor's mansion turned red. This Republican victory is seen as an important indicator for next year's election. Landry will replace Democratic Governor John Bell Edwards, who was unable to seek re-election because of term limits. What took place on Saturday was the so-called jungle primary, which is a primary that is ranked by vote share regardless of party affiliation. Under Louisiana law, if no candidate receives more than 50% of the vote in a primary, then the top two candidates are subject to a runoff. Landry defeated Democrat Sean Wilson and other candidates in the gubernatorial primary. Landry won about 52% of the vote, therefore he avoided a runoff and he simply declared victory. Saturday's election results were in line with what election pundits had predicted. Landry has been leading in the polls, especially after he was endorsed by top members of the Republican Party, including President Trump. Landry has held the position of Louisiana Attorney General since 2016. This is a position that he is used to advocate for conservative policy positions. He has been noted for his support of an order banning transgender medical care for the state's youth, as well as his support for the state's near total ban on abortion. His convincing victory in the Deep South represents a flip-flop opportunity for Republicans in two gubernatorial races this year. The other major gubernatorial race occurring in 2023 is in one state that Republicans can take back from the Democrats, and that's Kentucky. Kentucky is where Republican Attorney General Daniel Cameron will face incumbent Democratic Governor Andy Beshear. In Mississippi, Republican Governor Tate Reeves is also running for re-election. He is hoped to knock off his Democratic challenger. On Friday, House Republicans finally chose a new candidate for Speaker after a heated debate. They chose Judiciary Committee Chairman Representative Jim Jordan. This result was considered expected. Jordan was first elected to the House of Representatives in 2006, representing an extremely conservative district in northern Ohio. He is a founding member of the hardline House Freedom Caucus. As chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, he was front and center in the congressional investigation of the Biden administration and Hunter Biden. Jordan is also a strong ally and defender of McCarthy. 
House Republicans held an emergency closed-door meeting at 10 a.m. on Friday to avoid a repeat of the Scalise debacle. They made four amendments to the conference rules designed to raise the bar for choosing a candidate for Speaker of the House. An amendment offered by Republican Representatives Chip Roy of Texas and Bill Hazinga of Michigan would require a question-and-answer form of conference voting if a candidate fails to receive 217 votes on the first round of secret ballots. The amendment would give nominees up to three opportunities to vote by secret ballot, and if the required number of votes could still not be reached, then other candidates would be considered. Meanwhile, the GOP has also instituted rules to penalize fellow out-of-touch Republicans. If a legislator declares his or her support for an appointed speaker at a Republican convention, but then later opposes the candidate when the House votes on the matter, the legislator will lose his or her committee assignment. The Fourth Amendment that was sponsored by Republican Representative Kat Kamak of Florida would require the nominee to win 80% of the vote in a closed session. McCarthy, the former Speaker of the House, made it clear that he supports Jordan as his replacement. McCarthy said, I think everybody has the right to run. I think Jim's better prepared in the process to be Speaker. Representative Austin Scott of Georgia, who is a member of the House Armed Services Committee and who had just announced his candidacy that morning, echoed the sentiment. Scott called Jordan his good friend while talking to reporters, and he said that he doesn't necessarily want to be the Speaker of the House. He said, I want a House that functions correct, but the House is not functioning correctly right now. Okay, this is our podcast for today. Thank you again for listening to Front Page Podcast. For more exclusive in-depth content, please go to frontpageshow.com.